0: This is the podcast method. Today's Thursday, January 15th, 2015. I am Dan Benjamin, and I would like to offer you an apology. Right after, in episode four, where I'm saying how important it is to release an episode every week, I went ahead and missed a week. So, do as I say, not as I do, I guess. There's a good reason, a very good reason. Uh, I can't share it yet. I've made the mistake of like pre-announcing stuff and talking about stuff before it's ready. I won't make that mistake again. Uh, So I'll just tell you I'm busy. I'm working on something really cool or I I hope is really cool that I hope you folks really like. Uh, But you've been asking me so many really great questions on Twitter uh, and in email and on the website. Uh, Man, I can't wait to answer some of these or try my best to, to answer some of these things for you because it's so much fun getting your questions and figuring out how to answer them. I think maybe that's what is helping this show be, uh, be popular is that you guys are helping me create the content. It's not just me trying to think of things to say. It's you asking these really, really good questions. It makes me so happy every single day, every single time I think about it that this show is, is helpful to a couple of people in a few different ways, uh, each week that I come out with it because I was just thinking, man, it wouldn't have been awesome if I had had a show like this or a resource or someone to ask or go to to say, how do I do all of this stuff? I was actually thinking the other day about how much time I've spent uh, going down the wrong path, buying the wrong equipment or recording something what is the wrong way. And you, and, and you might be saying, there, well, there isn't a wrong way. Actually, like. There are really good ways to do stuff that are so good and so compelling and in in many cases uh, will save you so much money (laughs) and time that I would dare say that there are wrong ways to do things uh, or at least there are better ways to do them. And, And so that's my goal. Every time I come in here and record this show, I think I'm trying to save people time. I'm trying to save people money. So please keep your questions coming. And the best way to do that, the best way for you to ask me a question is on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And please use the hashtag podcast method. I will see it. I save all of those, and uh, I'm trying to get to all of them in time. So this episode uh, isn't going to have one specific topic per se. It's going to be more uh, me just hitting your questions uh, right from the get-go. Uh, one of the questions that uh, a lot of people asked is about sponsors uh, just in general. And I got some interesting feedback From a few listeners who said things like don't focus on making money just focus on making great content absolutely uh i'm i'm deeply sorry if i didn't point that out uh early on i i don't want it uh this podcast especially to seem like here's how to make money with your podcast starting today that's exactly not what i'm going for with this show but you definitely can make money doing a podcast. And if you make great content, the audience will come and eventually the sponsors will come. You may have to go out and get them, uh, but they will come too. And uh, again, content first, always content first. Here's a question from Clueless who asks a beginner question. Do you have a checklist of settings to ensure Skype is at its best possible quality? That is a really, really good question. He, uh, he then responds with an additional question that says, do you share this checklist or this uh, set of, uh, of requirements with guests? So their end is good too. This is something that is so important. I'm surprised that I haven't thought to talk about it yet. Uh, you know, there, there are a number of settings that you can, uh, place in Skype that are important on the one hand, uh, but on the other hand, um, Ha, your guests having good equipment comes even before worrying about those settings. Yeah, it's a lot to expect if you're saying to a guest, hey, please take time out of your really busy schedule and uh, and and come and be a guest on my show. That's right. Take an hour and a half out of your day and call me and uh, and we'll talk about stuff and maybe you're not even going to get compensated for that. And because my show is so small, you probably won't even get any additional fame or references from it. In other words, do me a big favor and be on my show. And by the way, could you go buy a nice microphone because I want you to sound good on this show. That's a lot to ask somebody. So I always felt like the the responsibility is on me as the host of the podcast to make sure that they sound as good as possible while they exert the minimum amount of effort possible. So. What's involved in that? Yes. Having a checklist of one kind or another is absolutely critical. And we have one at five by five and we do send it out to guests, especially when we're booking guests for shows where it's not a regular co-host. It's just like, Hey, let me interview you on this show or, Oh, we're talking about something in the news. Could you do a 10, five, 10 minute spot with us? It's so, uh, it's so basic what's required, but people so often get it wrong. And so I just wanted to run through this little checklist really quickly. Uh, I will tell you, shouting into your MacBook is 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 not good enough. Talking into an iPhone headset is not good enough. Wait, why? Because people always mess around with it. it. It rubs on their clothing. They make noises with it. They go into a thing where it sits under their collar for a little while. All of these are bad things that you don't want in your final recording. At the very minimum, uh, the, the guest will need a real microphone. Now, I have on podcastmethod.co in the equipment guide uh, section, uh, there are a list of all kinds of really affordable. Uh, affordable mics, and uh, I'll put uh, a couple into the show notes for this episode right here. That's going to be at 5x5.tv slash podcast method slash five. That's where you'll go to find links and notes and things like that. Uh, But I'll put some even more affordable mics in there. These are not necessarily mics that I recommend. These are not mics that I think that you as a regular podcaster should be buying to record with. These are mics that you could recommend to people uh, to say, hey, you you may be a guest on this show a few times. Would you consider getting one of these? And I'll tell you what else. Buy the mic for them. Yeah. Uh, you can go and get a Logitech headset, USB Logitech headset. And that's just one example, Plantronics. There's other ones. Very affordably, $20 to $30. I'll put some of these in there. If the interview is that important to you, buy that for them. Have it shipped to them right from Amazon. And guess what? They'll keep it, and they'll use it, and they'll sound pretty good. That's only if they say, oh, I don't have a mic. But more and more, you're finding people saying, yeah, I've got a mic anyway. But yes, they absolutely need to have a true microphone of one kind or another. Those basic ones will not work. The first and most important setting for them to have in Skype, and and don't laugh because it is so easy for people to get this wrong. Have them launch Skype. Have them go into their audio settings. And from within audio settings, it's usually the audio video tab, make sure that they have picked for their microphone whatever the microphone is that uh, that they're using. So as far as settings in Skype, they can go to audio video, make sure that they have picked the correct microphone. So often, even when you have a microphone plugged in, a real microphone plugged in, Skype will default to the built-in microphone, the internal microphone that's uh, that's connected to the computer. So they'll say, oh, I'm talking right into the microphone. How do I sound? And you're like, ooh, you sound like you're in a giant conference room with tons of echoing. And they're like, don't know why. Got the mic plugged in. Well, have them go into, uh, into that audio video panel in Skype settings and make sure that the right one is selected. You also want to make sure that for the speakers, that the speakers are either going into a pair of headphones that they have plugged into the computer or many of these USB microphones have a speaker Uh, that is headphone jack in them, they they should be using that because otherwise it'll be coming out of the speakers of their computer and it will be picked up by the microphone that they're using and it'll sound even worse. So that's something super important. Seems basic. Uh, I also recommend unchecking the little Skype setting that says automatically adjust microphone settings. Why? Because Skype will do something where if they get a little bit louder or a little bit more quiet, Skype will try to automatically accommodate and account for that change or discrepancy in their audio track. That's great if you're just talking to somebody on the phone and they, they're they walking down the street and there's loud noises or something, but you want to have control of that when you are editing. You don't want to let Skype try to be smart and make those decisions for you. You want to make those decisions. So you want their raw uh, track as, as, as pure and straightforward as possible. So that's another setting that I would have them, uh, try to, to make before you start recording. So thanks Clueless for asking those questions. Very important. Uh, gosh, there's, uh, so many, I'm just going to keep going here. Jonathan F Sullivan says, I get really parched when speaking at length. Any suggestion for keeping my whistle wet while podcasting? The answer is, you will eventually start to get better at this the more that you do it. Your voice... Uh, just like when you, you work out and you build muscles, you can build up your voice. It's the same exact thing. When you start out, I remember when I started out as I was first doing a show a day or multiple shows a day, after I had done that for about a week or so, my voice got very, very hoarse and I, I pretty much, you know, I had to take like a, a break for, for almost a whole week because I had, uh, I had overtaxed my voice. I jumped into it doing three shows a day, uh, five or six days a week it was way too much. You've got to work up to it. But as you work up to it, you'll find that your voice and 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 your your breathing and your speaking, you get into a rhythm, and eventually you don't uh, you don't need to do that. I'm not saying don't drink water. I'm saying when you're starting out, definitely have a bottle of water right there, or have some tea, or have whatever it is that you like to drink. Ideally, something without too much caffeine and uh, and something that's not too sugary, because those kinds of things will contribute to making you more thirsty. Water is really the best thing. Just drink water. You'll find though that over time you need it less and less. Now I could easily speak for three or four hours a day, five days a week, without any problem, and uh, and probably without even having to uh, to have that much uh, uh, drinking, you know, of, of water or whatever during the shows. But what do you do if you do get thirsty during the show? How are you going to take a quick little sip? While your, uh, while your co-host or guest is speaking without disrupting the show. I've done so many interviews where, you know, they're recording them. And again, we do live uh, to tape here most of the time. That's an old-fashioned term, which means we hit record, and we don't really edit out a lot of stuff. Uh, we, we, we try to keep it as natural and pure and straightforward as, as the conversation happened as we can. So I don't want to have to go in and edit out the, this sound here. Listen. Okay, that's me opening up a bottle of water, which I always have sitting here. Oh, yeah, I'll edit that out and post. Put a marker. That's not what we want to do. So, what what's better than that? Well, there's usually an opportunity where your your uh, co host, your guest is speaking, for you to grab that bottle of water, open it, and take a quick sip. You need to be able to mute your track while you're doing it. There are a handful of ways to do that. My favorite, though, is a uh, is a, a mute switch. These are things that will typically they'll sit on the floor, and you can hit it with your foot. Uh, there's a little button on top. That you can hit with your foot, and it will mute your track momentarily. So if I was going to do it right now, just like that, and this is happening with my foot, sounds great, right? You can't hear me talking when I do that. And uh, and and that's the way it's supposed to be. You can only do that, of course, with an XLR mic. In other words, you're not going to be able to put a mic mute switch in between your microphone and your computer, if it's going through USB, this is with an XLR microphone that uh, it just cuts off the signal. So uh, how do you do it with uh, with your Skype? Well, you can hit the mute button on skype. that's one way to do it. Uh, but there is other uh, software apps and things like that, which I will put into the show notes. Again, the show notes are at five by five dot TV slash podcast method slash five making some notes for you here and uh, and and you will be able to find them there. That's so important, being able to mute it. Again, that's another advantage of being uh, uh, on an XLR-type system instead of having a USB mic. It's a more professional setup, so you can do more things with your audio chain and, uh, and your signal. I had a ton of responses from people who are interested in trying out FeedLayer, our download tracking system. Uh, a lot of people commenting that, hey, Dan, you recommend Squarespace. Squarespace. Uh, but they don't track downloads; they just track subscribers. And you said downloads were more important than subscribers. Totally true, totally accurate. And this is uh, this is one thing that I wish uh, Squarespace had that would make it so that I could recommend it universally for podcast hosting. I still think it's great for uh, for hosting a show and hosting a podcast, but it does necessitate using something like Libsyn or. And in the case of us uh, using a tool like uh, feedlayer.com, which allows us to track uh, downloads. Again, downloads are what matters. Subscribers don't matter. Sponsors, they want to see unique individual downloads per each episode. And to be honest, me as a podcaster, I don't care how many people are subscribing. I care how many people downloaded the episode. Tell me, how many? Was it five? Was it 500? Was it 500,000? That's what I want to know. I don't care how many people are polling my RSS feed, how many different uh, automated you know, spiders are crawling it. None of that matters to me. I want to see individual human beings or as close to that number as possible. So, um, I'm still on the fence about opening up feed layer, but if if you're interested, let me know on Twitter and I'll I'll keep thinking about it. Uh, here's another really great question. David Marsh asks, is it worth having a separate special Twitter account for your show? In other words, to announce episodes or get listener feedback? I think it depends. Um, Nothing, in my opinion, nothing is worse than uh, following somebody that you like on Twitter because they're interesting or they have an, a fun personality or they make interesting tweets and then they start a show and now all of their tweets are about that show or about the three shows that they host. That that can be a little tiresome. So if you anticipate Having something coming out a lot where you're talking a lot about one show that maybe your Twitter audience isn't necessarily going to be so interested in and you've got a decent sized following already and you're worried about annoying them. Yeah, I think it's worth having it, but I'll tell you what I don't mind. You know, I follow uh, Jesse Thorne, super great guy. Uh, Maximum Fun is his uh, podcast network and uh, and and I love to see his announcements and comments about the shows because it adds something. If all you're going to do is say episode 14 has been posted, go here, well, maybe maybe use a separate account for that. But if if you did an interview or you had something really interesting happen on the show and you want to share that, like, man, just had a great interview with this person, we talked about this. I feel like that's adding a value, so then I don't I don't think that it's required to have a separate account. But as of right now, Twitter accounts are free. So it's not a bad idea to go and snag it. If you can get the name of your show as a Twitter account and tweet from that show and then retweet it from your account. So, uh, you know, as as long as you're not uh, as long as you're not flooding your current followers, I don't think it's, it's mandatory. So I wouldn't. Uh, but again, Twitter accounts are free. So consider going to get one. Why not? David Cook asks, what uh, what do you think about timely versus timeless content in podcasts, which are time shifted media? What is best when? Great question. Timeless, that is conversation about productivity, review of a movie, uh, a discussion about uh, a cultural thing. Those are examples of timeless content that are great. I'll give you an example of a show uh, that's, that's mostly timeless, uh, Back to Work, that I do with Merlin Mann. We talk about things that, a little bit that are timely in there, sure, but the bigger concepts that, uh, that Merlin talks about, especially getting things done, productivity, uh, that type of thing, when we talk about that, those are typically going to be as or anxiety, whatever it is that we've talked about. Those things are going to be interesting in a year or five years and, gosh, maybe even beyond that, right? But, uh you know, if we're talking about something on the 5-Minute Tech News Show, right, or we're doing a, a weekly roundup of events that happened at uh, WWDC in a year or two or three or even a week, might not be that interesting. What I've found is the best is to have that uh, a bit of a mix. If your goal is to create something that is, uh, is is going to have some longevity, weeks to a month. I think that mix of here's a bigger topic that we're talking about that'll still be relevant in time, and here's some things that have happened uh, that that are that are going on right now. Mixing those together, I think it keeps it interesting. I for one don't mind listening to a show knowing that it was recorded. A year or two ago, listening to it and hearing, uh, hearing people talk about what was going on at that time. It's almost kind of like a window into the past, especially when they're making predictions about the future, you can hear what they think is going to come and you can be like, wow, they nailed it or man, they were far off. There's an aspect of fun for that to me to listen to. And I think hypercritical, uh, with John Syracuse, uh, is a really good example of a show that had some things in it that, that were in a really good mix, uh, Concepts and and content that that lasts a long time that's good years later, uh, but included and mixed into that are uh, you know responses to current events and news and things like that. So I I think the the answer is have a mixture uh, because that'll keep your audience. Kind of, uh, kind of interested right now, knowing and feeling like they've got to listen to it today to find out what's going on, but providing enough so that people who are going back and listening later won't be completely bored by just constantly uh, old news, old news, old news. Now it is time for a sponsor. This week we've got uh, one of my one of my all time favorite sponsors. It's Harry's. Uh, Harry's. These guys make these really awesome razors, and you know they target them at guys. But they're not just for guys. They're also, of course, they're for women. They're for anybody who wants to shave. You know, the, the holidays were a great time to go and get one of these shaving kits. Uh, and I know a lot of people who wrote in to me uh, who said, oh man, I, I used this coupon code and I, I bought this for my dad or I bought this for my husband or I bought this for my girlfriend. Well, the holidays are over, but that doesn't stop Harry's. We still have uh, some really good stuff to, to tell you about from them. Uh, what they did, is they realized that uh, the shaving, buying razors, stuff like that, it's, it's a racket. It's a racket. People pay way too much for razor blades. So what they did is they went and they, they, they went to Germany and they, got the, they worked with these, these guys who made the most amazing sharp blades and they were working with this factory there and they, they liked it so much. They, said, we, we got buy, they bought the factory in Germany. So now you're getting these high quality blades for even less, half the price of the big-name drugstore brands, and you get free shipping straight to your door. Two guys passionate about making a better shaving experience and creating it. So how do they do it? Well, like I said, they bought that factory, they cut out the middleman, and they ship the blades to you. Their starter kit is just 15 bucks. That includes the razor, three blades, and your choice of Harry's Shave Cream or Foaming Gel. Both are awesome. And as an added bonus, you're going to get 5 bucks off your first purchase if you use this special code, podcast method, all one word, podcast method five bucks off get the entire month's worth of shaving for just 10 bucks after using that code and you're supporting the show by doing it shipping is free so again harrys h a r r y s harrys.com go there now and you're going to get five dollars off if you type in the code podcast method start shaving smarter today and that's our spot that's our sponsor thanks so much to them now a big topic here People keep asking me about this. Is, uh, is is the concept of a podcast network? Our network's good. Our network's bad. Dan, you run a network. You must think they're good. I don't necessarily think that podcast networks are a good thing. I get so many emails and tweets from people who say, "I'm starting a podcast network. We're going to do eight shows. What CMS should I use? Or how do I get sponsors?" I really believe, and I've said this before, I I understand why, uh, why you might want to start a podcast network. And I really believe that podcast networks can offer some advantages. But when you're first starting out, maybe don't start out with a network. Start out with one show. Make that show the best that you can. Make it awesome. Get into the routine. Get into the rhythm perfect it, perfect your art, perfect your craft. And when that thing is completely awesome and whatever, by whatever measure of success you define it as, when it's successful... Then consider doing something else. Don't start out. I've got eight shows. I've got eight shows. Well, one is about comics, one is about technology, and then we've got this one about uh, Apple. And we review movies on this one, and and this one over here is is about uh, World of Warcraft. And we we made one here that's just about uh, you know Han Solo. And- no, no, do one and make it amazing, and book it out. If you want to make money, book it out with sponsors. Make it so that sponsors are lining up to try and sponsor that show, and you're saying no before you say, "Oh, we need to make another one." When I started Five by Five, and I've told this story many times, when I started Five by Five, I I had multiple podcasts already, and I I got tired of setting up a new website. Every time I wanted to uh to tweak a show or do a show, I was managing multiple websites. I had multiple places to go and post different things and notes. There was no central place. It was it was utter chaos in the world for me, <laughs> managing four or five different websites and different shows and things. And I said, I've got to put these all in one place. And that's how Five by Five was born. And later I started uh you know trying to help other folks uh do their shows. So for me, it, it was out of necessity, it was out of time, it was out of trying to increase my productivity that I made a, what, we, what we would call a network. But I don't even think of 5 by 5 as a network. Yes, it's a, it is a network. I think of it more as like an indie record label. You know. And, and I'll tell you why I think of it like that. And maybe if you think of what you're doing, starting and potentially starting a network or starting a show, uh, maybe this will help frame it a different way. If you think of five by five or a podcast network in general as uh, as a, an indie record label, it changes everything. Because what do, what do artists do? Artists that would be in this case the podcast hosts. Artists they they join a record label and maybe they do one record, maybe they do two, maybe they do twenty. So they join it, and what does the record label do? They say, "Hey, we're gonna help. We're gonna help you record and produce your record." We're going to do everything we can to, and you know what? We'll, we'll do our best to promote it too. And we, you know what? We'll make introductions to you and other people that maybe you wouldn't have met before who can help make your show better, who could be on your show. And you know what? This doesn't really fit with the record label thing, but we'll, we'll help you in, in podcast networks. We'll help you get the advertising. We'll help you. We will help you make money doing this thing too. So that's to me the way that I feel five by five. We do, we help with the production. We help with the promotion. We help make introductions and we really try hard to, to help build your audience, help you make the best content you can make by taking away a lot, as many of those pain points as possible and doing everything that we can do to, to help you make some money in the process. But you know what? Just like with record labels, podcast hosts may say, you know what? I did this one show here. I'm, you know what? I, I want to try something up. Maybe I want to start my own record label. Maybe I want to go to this bigger record label. Maybe I want to go to a smaller record label. It's the same thing with podcast networks. People seem to kind of want to put a lot of drama into this. For me, it's uh, when when we work with other people and they do a show here, my feeling is always just these people are awesome. And uh, if I have an opportunity to work with awesome people, I'll take it. And if that opportunity lasts for a week or a month or a year or five years, I don't care. I just want to work with the most talented, best people that I can work with. So if that's your goal in starting a network that you've got people who you really like and you really want to work with, then I think, yeah, uh, that's a good reason to start one. That's a very good reason to start one. But try thinking about it maybe as a record label instead of as some network. I think uh, that's how I've always thought of 5 by 5 and I think that kind of opens the door to, uh, to, to more possibilities, which is, which is what we all want. Uh, a number of people have asked me about uh, intros, podcasts, you know, intros into uh, the podcast itself. How do you know what to say? How do you know, uh, you, you know, what, what the right uh, message is? How come some of your shows, Dan, how come some of your shows uh, have uh, cold opens and how come some of them have a, uh, a canned intro that you read each time? Why, what's the difference? Well, uh an example of uh of, of a show that uh we always had a cold open with was the talk show that I did with John Gruber for several years. And when, when that show first started, that was way before 5 by 5, and then it uh it started back up again on 5 by 5 where we did it for uh for a while. And we always had a cold open, where you sort of jump in right in the middle of of a conversation. And I think that just that that led to what was our original idea for the show, which is this would be like if a couple of your friends were, were sitting at a bar or a coffee shop or a restaurant and you just sat down and, and joined them at the table. That was kind of the, the goal that, uh, that we had for that show. I think Back to Work is similar to that, although we have a little bit more of an intro because what you hear on Back to Work with, with me and Merlin is, uh, is the whole recording process. Like, that's not a staged thing. I'll hit record in Logic Pro and I'll go get him on Skype and he'll say, hello, and I'll say, good morning, Marlin, And that's how the show starts. We're not typically doing any conversation before that. So in a sense, it's a cold open, but we are saying good morning. And it is morning when we record it, at least for him in San Francisco. So, you know, that that's the window into the show. Now, Amplified, for example, a show that I no longer host, that Sean King now hosts, uh, and I think he's doing a great job at it. That has a specific in, intro. Amplified is an award-winning talk show about Apple, Mac, iPad, iPhone, iOS, guitars, amps, music, and recording. Get ready to rock because my friend and yours, Jim Dalrymple, uh, is here today. That kind of thing you have, uh, you have that. Now, how do you know what to what to write or how to do that intro or when to do an intro? My philosophy on the intro has always been uh, that I think that it is important to give people an idea of what the show is. because you never know if it's the first time that someone's ever heard your show. So give them a one-to-two-sentence summary of the show so that they understand what it is uh, they are about to hear. Now, if that's too long and you're talking too much about the show that you're about to record, well, yeah, that that could be a little bit off-putting for people who listen every single week. So make it short. Make it fast. One-to-two-sentences that explains what the show is so that people can jump right in and so that for people who are listening every week, who already know what it's about, it just serves as this familiar little intro uh, that 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 leads them into the atmosphere of your show. One thing that goes along with that, I've talked about this before, is the intro music. People are always asking, how how uh, how should I get intro music? Where should I get intro music? Is there any free intro music? I think that intro music also sets the tone it sets the the feeling it sets the uh the the context and the framework you know if you hear this sort of hard rock kind of beat thing going on maybe maybe this is you know an edgier show right if you hear classical music, maybe this is a more contemplative show, whatever, but it helps frame the show and yeah, I think it does help it sound a little bit more professional. If you want to kind of pump your audience up, get some music that'll kind of pump them up. If you're going to kind of carry them through an interesting uh, you know, journey, then play some music that'll, that'll kind of take them on that journey. I think it's so important to do it. But the number one biggest mistake I always hear from people, uh, when, when especially beginning podcasters, is they'll, they'll start playing and the music will just play and it'll be 15 or 20 seconds before they say anything. Nobody likes the song that much. Nobody wants to hear 15, 20 seconds of the song you thought was cool to put at the front of your podcast. Get right in there. Give them three, five seconds, maybe seven seconds of intro music tops. No one wants to hear that song. No one needs the mood set that much. It's just a podcast. So give it a few seconds, jump right in, and start talking. Welcome to episode number thirty five of whatever i 'm whoever i am and here 's what we 're talking about today that 's all people need. The music is just a little a little boost for that message that you 're trying to convey uh, so so don 't be don 't be that person who plays twenty seconds of music i 've even heard people who will come in and they 'll start talking right away when the music starts, and then they 'll just sort of have the music going for thirty forty fifty seconds and they 'll just sort of Today, on Thursday, no, no one wants to hear that. Just start the show. Uh, but but I think having the intro music is important. Unfortunately, I can't really give you that many recommendations for places to find really good intro music. You're, you, you, what I would recommend is doing a search on Google where you search for pod safe music. Uh, there are so many sites out there. To be honest, none of them are that great. Uh, The music choices that you have aren't that great. But don't stress out about it. I've heard shows that are amazing that have no music. I've heard shows that are amazing that have something somebody cobbled together in garage band uh, over, over 15 or 20 minutes. That's perfect. That's just fine. That's all you need. But consider not having any music at all. Uh, Your voice, your message is what people are there for. Your content is what people are there for. So if you have no music at all, I would rather you have no music than have bad music or have music playing for 15 or 20 seconds uh, before you talk. So so there you go. Uh, Rex Dart, Eskimo Spy, asks me on Twitter, uh, what is the best way to transition between topics? We've tried music breaks, but it still sounds awkward. This goes to a bigger uh, conversation that I think uh, is so important for a podcaster. And that is, you know, every time, every time I see people people sharing screenshots of their Logic or GarageBand or, uh, you know, uh, Pro Tools screens, and, and there's so many cuts and there's so many edits. And I just, I say, oh no, you know, what what are these people doing? And then I remember what my old editing shots used to look like whenever I used to you know, edit tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of edits. Why? Well, the more you do something, the better you you are at it, typically. Now, on the shows that I do, very, very few edits. I've said this before. Uh, the edits are usually, oh, man, we had a Skype drop. We got to edit this out. Or the host, you know, their dog started barking. We got to edit this out. Typically, those are the only reasons that we'll make edits on the shows that I do. Again, the live-to-tape uh, mentality. The fact that you're going to... Uh, you're recording something that is... For all intents and purposes, it's a live event. The difference between a play and a movie. For a play, you you memorize your lines. Everyone memorizes their lines. You all come together at this great effort. And if you mess up, you keep going with it. And you do your best to make it, make it work. And you rehearse a heck of a lot uh, all the time. Whereas with a movie you may or may not rehearse and you may do 50 takes to get a scene right very different philosophy i am very much in the philosophy of the live play when it comes to recording a podcast it forces you to be on the ball it forces you to be on your toes it forces you to to uh to to focus on the game so that when you are there and talking, you're a hundred percent focused. You don't have that crutch of, ah, yeah, we'll we'll edit the sound post. Don't worry about it, I'll put a marker. I'm I'm I don't want to do that. I want it to be great the first time. Not always possible. Sometimes you get to edit stuff out, of course. But don't let that be your MO. Don't let that be uh the thing you're well, if it's not good, we'll take it out. No, make it good. The fewer edits you have, the better, because it means you're honing your skills, you're sharpening yourself. You're creating that ability to run a great show and, and be you know be the person that keeps things moving. Uh, editing is not bad. So let me just be clear. Edit. Edit out bad stuff. Make your show instead of an hour and a half of eh, pretty good 60 minutes of amazing. Yes, do that. Get rid of the stuff that's not good. But I'm saying go into it with the hope and the intent that everything that you're doing is going to be a keeper because that'll make you put tons of effort into it. So this goes back to, to Rex Dart's Eskimo Spies question. And, uh, and her question is, how do you transition between topics? Be a conversationalist. Listen to great conversations. Listen to the way that people uh, talk to each other in real life. How does one conversation topic lead into another if you're sitting with friends? If you start out and you're talking about a movie and you want to lead into the next thing, well, how do you do that? How would you do that? Start thinking ahead. You may have a list of topics ahead of time. Find a gateway. Focus on related things between those topics. Now, if what you're really talking about, and I'm not sure because I, I don't know which show you're talking about and how it is that you're currently doing your transitions, but if you have a list of topics and you want to go from one to the next, call, create little segments. Put related topics together in segments and then say, okay, time to move to the next segment. Your audience will go along with that. They're used to that. That's how the radio works. That's how the television works. Uh, you, you give it a certain amount of time. You, that's all the time we've got for this segment. Let's go to the next one. Another If you have sponsors, say, okay, we've got a break for a sponsor. Let me tell you about Harry's. Do the spot, next topic. If you don't have sponsors, here's a neat idea for you. Affiliates. Most big companies on the web uh, have affiliate links. So what does that mean? That means you can go to uh, to that company and sign up to become an affiliate. You're going to get paid every time that somebody signs up. So if it's a domain name, for example... Uh, they would go and they would use your promo code or your special link on the website. And every time they sign up, maybe you get a dollar, maybe you get 50 cents, maybe you get $5, it depends. Those affiliate programs, you can absolutely use them as sponsors for yourself. So if you were to say, hey, go to my favorite domain name, registrar.com and use the code Dan, uh, you will be able to get a domain and support this show. Do it as a sponsorship. Do it as an ad read. Treat it as if they had paid you money because if it works, they will be paying you money. Send people there. I've seen people who have picked uh, Amazon products that they really like and say, listen, I want to tell you about a really great product. You should go and check this thing out. And by the way, if you use the link in the show notes, we'll get, you know, what a little percentage, we'll get a little kickback if you buy it through our link. People will do that. Of course they will because they want to support you. They want to see you be more successful. They want to enjoy your show and continue enjoying your show because every single time somebody listens to that program that you've created, they're investing a little bit of themselves. They're investing a little bit of their time and energy into you and into this thing that you're making, and they don't want to see it go away. Your listeners are your fans. They're your biggest supporters. You've got to remember that. Jeremy T. Dennis, speaking of supporters, says, You mentioned Patreon in the last show. How would you suggest introducing one without alienating the audience? Great question, Jeremy. I think Patreon is a wonderful, wonderful way to to have people help support you and the stuff that you're doing and the work that you're doing. I would not be able to do this show if it wasn't for people like you who are supporting it on Patreon, who are supporting 5 by 5 on Patreon, who are helping us make shows like this that are, what I would say, either not or very lightly sponsored. It makes a huge difference. Uh, So by the way, please consider donating to our Patreon. You can donate a a dollar a month. You can donate much more. Whatever you feel is fair. It really, truly helps. Patreon.com slash five by five. Again, the URL for that, Patreon.com slash five by five. Did you just feel alienated when I did that, Jeremy T. Dennis? I hope not. I really hope not. Uh, But that's how you do it. Explain to people that they uh, that you need help. We do. We need your support. Well, Jeremy, your listeners are going to be there to support you. Tell them you need help. Say, we need your support to, to keep doing these kinds of things. It really, truly helps. And then direct them to the Patreon. And when you do that, make sure you give them cool stuff back. We're working on a couple of really cool videos and things right now that are just going to be for Patreon uh, folks that I think they're they're going to really love some really cool behind the scenes stuff, some uh, showing our our setup and tons of different things that uh, that they'll see first. So give them stuff back, give them a reason to do it other than just support. But even so, support it. it I, I don't think anyone's alienated by hearing somebody that they like who's providing them with content for free, uh, saying hey please consider supporting us. Jeremy, I don't, I, I think that's a great question and I don't think you need to be afraid to, to just say, Hey, help us out. couple more questions. Andreas dance says how to best launch a new feed for iTunes. Get it approved with a test recording or with the first episode. Uh, Andres is asking because in a prior episode, I talked about that whole process of submitting your show to iTunes. And I said that you can't submit a show to iTunes. You can't submit a podcast to iTunes until there is one episode. So a number of people, Andres included, asked me this question. Well, should I just put like a dummy episode out there that's like, hey, welcome to the show. This is episode zero. Uh, sign up and then you can submit it. No, I don't feel like there is any urgency When submitting a show to iTunes to get it approved that you should create a phony fake first show, I I say no. I say make your first episode. Make it great. Submit it to iTunes. Typically, typically, uh, your show, when you submit it to iTunes, you will not see some incredible boost and jump. The minute that it hits iTunes, it will be findable to a lot more people across a lot of other apps because most podcast apps do use iTunes and do pull from iTunes to get their lists. Uh, So that's that's important. But at the same time, uh, you won't uh, you won't see some incredible life changing boost unless you're already like a big celebrity and iTunes freaks out because, oh, my gosh, this huge celebrity has a podcast. Unless that kind of thing happens, it's okay. It's okay if it takes a week. It's totally okay. Start working on your second episode and make it awesome. Bill Leonard asks, what is the best way to host a call-in show? Real phone line somehow, Skype, etc.? Bill, that is a great question. If you're familiar with radio call-in shows, how do those work? Well, they have a whole batch of phone lines and they've got, uh, they've got equipment called audio hybrid which basically takes uh, a phone line and splits it into two channels and puts it into their mixer, very advanced and very expensive stuff, Uh, probably not worth it for a regular human being to have in their home or office. Uh, How do we do it for shows like uh, for shows like grit and, uh, and some other shows that we're working on Uh, at DLC, Jeff Kanata uses the same call in system. Uh, We built one. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's the kind of, Uh, tough answer for people who don't happen to be software developers with years of telephony uh, code experience. Uh, We built one. I call it the Ansible, which is a a sci-fi term, uh, sort of like subspace communications. Uh, I call it the Ansible. It's a system that we use. It's a voice over IP based system. We've got, you know, a couple dozen calling lines. People get put on hold. They hear the show. We can bring them off hold. We can do conference calls with it. We can have dozens of listeners, uh, and it's a pretty web interface that I built that lets people uh, see who's calling, and you can even do call screening, so it sends it to a third-party person who can say, oh, what do you want to talk to Dan about? Okay, and then they can put a little note in there, they can put a little emoticon to show a happy or, or sad, depending on the state of mind of the caller. We built this system because we needed this, and uh, this is another thing like layer. I'm like, do people want this? I don't know how I would... Share this with the world. Um, but there, the answer is there's really no easy way to do this other than building a solution or going with something like a talk shoe type solution, which I, I was just not fond of. Great business, just not, not for me, not for the way I want to do it. Uh, so if you want a call-in show, my suggestion would be to go the click and clack route, which is to say, uh, as, as not fun as this is, try to prearrange the calls. Try to pre-schedule the calls. Say to people, your, your call, if you know, who wants to call in this week, sign up. And then follow up with those people and say, okay, you call in at the top of the hour, you call in at 10 after, you call in at 20 after. It's not ideal, but if you're dealing with like one phone line or one Skype line, uh, people are going to get very discouraged by getting that busy signal over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, they won't call back, they won't keep calling. Um, don't kid yourself, your show is probably not exciting enough. Uh, that you will get somebody sitting there hitting redial for 20 minutes to, to be part of it. You've got to make it easy for them. People are nervous enough about calling, so you've just got to make it as easy as possible uh, for them. And uh, the last question for today by Richard J. Anderson, how do you feel about using software noise reduction on recordings made in suboptimal conditions? I love using noise reduction on recordings made in suboptimal conditions. I love using EQ. I love using compression. I love using every single available tool and using it well and using it effectively to improve the quality of your recording. I don't approve of using effects to make you sound different than you normally sound, making you sound uh, like someone you're not. I do Totally feel like you should use everything in your arsenal at all times to make the best possible recording that you can possibly make. Spend money, buy preamps, uh, you know, spend money and, uh, and and learn by going and watching video tutorials. Talk to your friends, buy a book, read online, uh, write into this show, whatever it is, to learn what tools are available to you and how to use them. Because you should absolutely... Absolutely, be using every single tool that you can to uh, to improve the quality of your audio, of your guests' audio, all of the above. Now, I promised you guys that I was going to uh, have a, a, another tech talk with one of my uh, good friends and good engineers uh, to talk about EQ. That's coming up in episode six, which I'm actually going to be recording uh, for you in a couple of hours. Uh, but that's it for this episode of Podcast Method. So again, if you want to ask questions, please ask them. You can go to uh, Twitter. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter and use the hashtag podcast method. I see them all. I've got a long list. I'm working through it. Uh, So please keep those coming. Uh, You can go to podcastmethod.co. That has the equipment guide that I talked about, but I also have some links here at 5x5.tv slash podcastmethod slash five. And again, please consider supporting this show. We need your support, even if it's a buck. That's a lot. Uh, Go to patreon.com slash five by five and uh, and support the show in, in whatever capacity you feel is fair. Thank you so much for listening and see you again soon.